Hello and welcome to another episode of Building Success, a real estate podcast. My name is Nick and I will once again be your guide as we talk to some of the best and brightest in the worlds of real estate tech, operations, and financials from across the globe. This podcast would not be possible without listeners such as yourselves. So if you like what you hear and you want to hear more of it, please think of subscribing, liking, reviewing, commenting, wherever you get this podcast. All of that helps us know how we're doing and provide the best content for future episodes. Uh, You may have also heard we have a brand new Building Success Real Estate Vibes t-shirt. If you want to get your hands on one of these limited edition pineapple teas, please leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast and shoot it over to info at buildingsuccess.io and we will get a shirt delivered straight to your door. Uh, Sizes and quantities are limited. When we're out, we're out. On today's episode, I speak with Chris Beeble from Software Equity Group, and we take a spin on real estate that we haven't really discussed or talked about in the past, and that's mergers and acquisitions. And Chris is very knowledgeable from the seller's point of view of you know a lot of the activity going on in the market um, with organizations that are being bought and sold and merged. And he gives some insight into what that process looks like, how it's been affecting real estate over the last three to five years, and what the future outlook is in this space for organizations and software companies as they continue to grow and evaluate their options as it relates to the market and ultimately what it means for the the end user who might be using some of these software systems. So definitely a super insightful conversation with Chris, and we hope you enjoy it. So today I am here with Chris Beeble. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you doing today? I am very well. I'm in Cleveland and it's cold. You're in San Diego, which is much <laughs> nicer, I think, considerably. Uh, that's right. I'm not. I'm, I, I'm not gonna. I won't share with you what the weather is out here in San Diego today. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Much, much appreciated. Um, for our listeners, I think we should just go ahead and start, and maybe we, we kick off with you just introducing yourself and um, what brought you to SEG. Yeah, well, thank you, Nick, uh, and I appreciate uh, appreciate the time. Um, yeah, my name is Chris Beeble. I'm uh, Vice President at uh, Soccer Equity Group, uh, uh, or SEG. Um, yeah, I've been with SEG for about 13 years, I think. Uh, so it's been a while. Um, you know, we are um, an investment bank and M&A advisor in the software industry. And it was uh, way back in, in my college days was something that, um, you know, I thought was an interesting industry to be in. Uh, one that kind of involved strategy, finance, and, and technology. Uh, and so fortunately, was able to find all of that in a small boutique in San Diego, which was uh, unexpected. And so that, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to kind of stay within uh, at Software Equity Group for a number of years and, and able to stay in the San Diego region. Um, uh, you know, I would suspect that, um, you know, you know, going back then, you know, I, I wouldn't have expected to be you know, around here for that for that long of a, of a point in time, but it's, it's been a great experience. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about Software Equity Group, what, what you do at your core? And then obviously the, the really focus of this conversation that I want to go down is, is specifically real estate, but more broad, what is it that, sure. that you do? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So you know, SCG has been focused on working with 
smaller software companies, SaaS companies for 20 plus years. Uh, we focus on the sell side of mergers and acquisitions. So we are typically advising software companies, SaaS companies that are looking to either sell to a strategic party or raise capital, um, typically in the form of a majority recap. So it's a control type of investment um, mm -hmm. where there's some liquidity as well as some growth capital that's coming onto the balance sheet. Um, and so we work with businesses that are across the software landscape, um, not just within the real estate segment. Real estate happens to be, uh, I think, our strongest area of focus, uh, but we do work outside of the real estate software arena as well. So, so talk to me about real estate. This is what really interested me about talking to you was I've interviewed probably dozens at this point of, of smaller tech companies in the real estate space. So probably the wheelhouse of the type of companies that you work with on a regular basis. And it seems to me, um, being someone who's, who's worked at MRI software too, that this activity has really picked up and, and grown over the last couple of years. What has been your kind of perception of M&A as it relates to real estate? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so, you know, we as a firm have been, I think we're fortunate to have found ourselves in, um, you know, a great position uh, in terms of, you know, everyone is hurting or flocking to the real estate technology ecosystem uh, landscape over the last, you know, three to five years. We as a firm have been focused on the space for, oh gosh, I think our first deal was uh, maybe in 2004, 2005. Uh, so we've, We've been focused on the real estate uh, tech markets for a long time, um, you know, both on the multifamily as well as um, other commercial segments of real estate. Uh, and, you know, for a long time, you know, it, 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 it's been a vertical that's you know, very unique, uh, has some very unique dynamics uh, that, um, you know, cause it to be viewed uh, as a very different animal than, uh, say, the corporate uh, arena. Um, and so for that reason, number one, historically you've seen the lack of investment dollars coming into the real estate space. Mm -hmm. And so you've seen less innovation uh, for products for this end market. Uh, and so you've seen in turn less adoption. Um, you also have, you know, some, <clears throat> you know, some end market dynamics in terms of real estate investors and operators and property managers that have been a little bit laggard in terms of their uh, adoption of technology, not necessarily being pushed to adopt solutions for a long period of time. Um, and that has all changed over the last, you know, certainly decade, but, you know, certainly the last four to five years, we've seen a really significant surge in, um, you know, end customers looking for software to improve their businesses um, or the experiences of their customers or tenants. Um, and then that in turn has attracted a lot of investment dollars uh, to the space. And it's also attracted, uh, you know, buyers, frankly, to need to, to make decisions as it relates to whether or not they're going to build or buy solutions. Um, you know, rather than kind of just, you know, sitting on their hands, if you will. And have you seen that over the, the last, maybe even the shorter interim, that buyers in general are more likely to kind of buy than build? 
Absolutely. So I think that this is one of those segments where um, we tended to see more buy models versus you know build build software on their own. Uh, MRI is clearly um, you know an example of that. There are others in the case in the space as well that have that have, that have taken that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but private equity is certainly you know a part of that. Um, you know, private equity firms they're typically looking at a space that is probably very attractive in terms of the greenfield opportunities that exist for adoption of you know software products, and they want to accelerate the adoption of software when they make investments. And so part of the thesis that they have is they want to see really nice organic growth in the businesses that they're investing, but they really want to complement that um, with some acquisitions or product type acquisitions that they could make uh, to accelerate the growth of the business. And so we're, we're generally seeing that as, as a theme across the real estate industry. And it's, and it's become, uh, I think more and more accelerated over the last, you know, two to three years, as, as you mentioned. So what are some of those, um, I guess from, from the seller standpoint, the one that, that you represent, what are some of those key, you know, valuation drivers that they're looking to, to, to position their business for, for sale or even just to, to be monitoring, um, to, to remain competitive in this space? Yeah. I mean, it's a, another, another great question. Um, you know, I think that for most acquisitions, most acquisitions that occur in the software industry, you know, you see a lot of the, the bigger deals in the headlines, um, you know, but, but 90% plus of the market are really these smaller, you know, tech and product driven deals that are occurring, uh, businesses that are, you know, sub, you know, 15 to 20 million of revenue. Oftentimes many of them are well under you know, 10 million or so of mm-hmm. revenue. And the, the reason or the rationale for the deal occurring is, uh, that the buyer has a, has a gap in their product suite and they are in that build versus buy, uh, decision. Um, and in the real estate space, more often than not, uh, they're choosing to to buy um, and get the product in the hands of their customers as quickly as as possible. Um, and and actually, the 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 rapidity the the pace of which that product is being adopted in the market. So if like there's a new trend that's occurring and customers are just absolutely clamoring for you know that type of a product. Um, that pace is going to drive the pain that the buyer has and in turn is going to drive, you know, the value uh, that they're willing to pay for that potential acquisition target. If customers aren't really asking for something, but it's kind of more of a nice to have than a need to have, yeah. um, then there's nothing really driving them to really, you know, be super competitive um, in terms of the valuation that they'd be placing on, you know, you know, companies that are providing those types of solutions. Gotcha. So beyond beyond the financial aspect of the deal, when when you're looking at organizations and trying to figure out if there's there's synergy or if there's a fit, um, what are some of those non financial maybe pieces that that you look to to make sure that 
you know, the fit between the two companies is something that's sustainable. And one thing I have in, you know, in the back of my head is, you know, obviously technologies are different between organizations and maybe with some of these startup businesses, the way that they built their product might be a hindrance to like adopting and fitting in with, with more of a global technology stack. Are those the types of things that kind of get reviewed and, and become part of the deal maybe more so than they used to be? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously financial metrics are important in any deal, but there's a whole number of other, you know, aspects or attributes of an acquisition that buyers and investors are, um, you know, valuing, uh, and sometimes in some cases, you know, equally. Um, so number one, I think you know, to my last, to your last question, I think the, the product itself, um, you know, needs to fit in with the strategy that buyers, investors have in the market. And is this something that makes sense for them, right? If you take sort of the, the, the fork, knife, spoon example, um, you know, and you're sitting down to eat and you've got uh, a fork and a knife and you've got a bowl of soup in front of you, it'd be really nice to have a spoon. Yeah. Um, so you want it, you want that, that to be really complimentary, yeah. um, from a product standpoint, um, you know, the, the, the end, the, the size of the end customers that you're serving, you know, are you, are you serving the long tail of the market that, that you're, you know, the long tail of the market and you're going out and having conversations with, you know, investors, buyers that are focused at the enterprise level, uh, that may, that may not, that may not make sense. Maybe, maybe it does for some, maybe they're, maybe they, um, you know, see, extending into the SMB market as a significant value driver for them. Um, so you could look at it both ways. Um, from a technology standpoint, um, you know, absolutely. I mean, the, the typical example is, you know, we still sometimes run into businesses that are, you know, providing their solutions in a traditional license and you know, maintenance and support and services uh, type of model. And that just doesn't mesh for, for some buyers, but it does mesh for, for others. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot of nuances to it. Uh, there's certainly a number of, you know, attributes that buyers are looking for that are non-financial, but in many cases it's beauty is in the eye of the beholder and understanding the audience that, that you have in front of you. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's if that piece of technology or that software, or that service is that missing piece for a buyer, I mean, that can, that can trump a lot of other pieces and parts, you know? It can. And, I mean, that's the, it's the fascinating thing about the software arena um, is, is this beauty in the, is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, in many of the processes that we end up running, we may see a really large spread in terms of the valuations that are being placed by, um, you know, a number of different parties. Um, and it's oftentimes very unexpected. Um, we also, I mean, we've been doing this for a long time. We, you know, we'll, we'll, we're typically pretty spot on in terms of the guidance that we're providing to companies that we end up working with. But we even surprise, you know, to the upside um, occasionally. Um, you know, in some cases, you know, we've we've seen deals occur, you know, at two X the value that we thought we would be in the market. And that is purely because of that beauty of the, in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Um, you know, this strategic synergy, you know, the non-financial metric, um, you know, types of synergies you mentioned, 
that are virtually impossible to um, you know, sort of forecast until you actually get in get into conversations and you know both parties are really starting to understand what that what that fit is and how you know one plus one can equal three or five sure sure so so talk to me about that process because that's something I don't think a lot of people really have insight into and again you you mentioned that you represent the seller is this for for your business and your org, is this something where you go out and you try to find businesses that are that you could put up on the market? Do they come to you? Is it more of an inbound model? How does that work for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So, and number one, you know, we as a firm, we try to stay really laser focused uh, on on the segments that that we know well and that we play in well, and so we try try not to stray too far outside of of those boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, so we spend a lot of time publishing research and information within key verticals, real estate being one of them, um, where we're tracking all of the activity that's taking place in the space. We're mapping out, you know, the ecosystems within the real estate uh, segment uh, so that we can just continue to get smarter and smarter and smarter. And a lot of our, you know, what end, what end up being our clients track and follow the research. And it creates... Um, you know, conversations, um, you know, over a long period of time. And we're able to share a lot of our insights, you know, with them uh, that allow them to bring that information into any decision cycles that they may have about future strategic events that they may be, you know, considering or pursuing. Um, you know, we also get a, a good amount of inbounds uh, just due to our sort of brand recognition in the space. Um, but at the end of the day, what, what our business really is, is, um, you know, we're providing information uh, to the market and to our clients uh, trying to allow them to make the best decisions that they can with all of the information at hand and trying to guide them through those processes, uh, which many of them have never been through, um, you know, and trying to minimize or mitigate, um, the impacts that raising capital or selling a business may have on, you know, the number one thing that they should be focused on, which is growing, growing their companies and, you know, getting their solutions out there in the market to their, to their customers. And that's, that's funny. That was, that was kind of where my head was going with my next question. So as, as you speak with some of these companies and and they try to get ready for sale, are there, are there certain things that you've noticed or trends amongst um, some of these organizations as things that they should be more focused on than maybe they are going into that process? Or what, what are some things that maybe the organization can do to get themselves ready even before they may, may be looking to go out into the market for, for capital or for you know, potential M&A activity? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's, um, you know, there's certainly some high-level financial metrics that we think are, you know, important. And so, you know, you want to make sure that, that you're tracking that, um, that information. You know, we oftentimes will go through benchmarking exercises. I mean, in the real estate software world, we've got a lot of very relevant information and data, um, you know, in a lot of companies that we've worked with where we can anonymize uh, some of that information and provide some good, valuable benchmarking exercises uh, to companies. Um, so I think, you know, going through that and understanding sort of, you know, how you compare and contrast with uh, others and, and what some of those outcomes were, I think can be helpful in terms of, you know, se- you know, you know, setting some, um, some concrete, um, you know, understanding of, 
uh, of where the business may may need to get to in order to achieve achieve the goals that that you have. Um, I think making sure that you know a lot of a lot of companies that we talk to, um, I think they do a little bit better job, you know, maintaining some of the relationships with the larger parties that could be potential buyers. Um, you know, as well as some of the private equity firms out there. There's a, you know, there's there are a lot of private equity firms out in the market, and and so it can get a little bit confusing and overwhelming if you're taking every single call from everyone. Uh, but at least the ones that have investments in the space, uh, you want to make sure that you they know that you exist in the event that they're going through some decision about whether they want to buy or build. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know this type of product, and so that if they if they are making that decision. You're at least getting a phone call, and you're involved in the in the conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think, you know, and then just kind of generally speaking, um, you know, keeping in touch with, um, you know, others in and around the space to ensure that you've got sort of, sort of, um, you know, the latest, uh, uh, latest and greatest uh, information and, and intel in terms of uh, some of the strategies that other players in and in and around the space are are pursuing. I think is yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think a lot of people think these kind of spring up out of nowhere. But to your point, and we were talking a little bit earlier before this uh, podcast started. You know, there's certain businesses that maybe you know might be interested or or sniffing around for maybe even years, and just knowing when those fits might occur. Um, you never know when those deals might pop up, but you know to always be ready and and willing to listen. Yep. Yep. What are what are you already starting to see in in 2020? Are you seeing the same amount of activity? Are you seeing it increase even more? Um, slow down. What what does the future look like from from your perspective as it relates to real estate? We're really bullish um, on on the real estate tech ecosystem, and as I mentioned, we feel very fortunate to have um, you know the number of deals under our belts and in a in a good position um, to continue to. Uh, work with companies and advise them through, you know, acquisitions and investments in 2020. But we've done 27 deals in the real estate tech space uh, okay. overall. Uh, seven of those were actually in 2019. Oh, wow. And I could be wrong, but I think four or five of those were actually in the fourth quarter of 2019. <laughs> and, right. and so if anything, our activity is accelerating. Uh, we actually just, we announced another deal um, in the space uh, last, just last month as well. So well, we're not seeing any signs of the space slowing down. If anything, it's accelerating. Uh, there, there continues to be just a, a plethora of capital flowing into the space. Um, you know, that's going to continue to, to drive organic growth and, and you're going to continue to see, you know, larger companies do deals. You're also going to, one of the other things that's interesting is just the distribution of, of, of buyers has increased over the last you know, year or two. So if you were to kind of go back 10 years or so, there are really only a couple few buyers in the space, uh, like in the multifamily space and, mm-hmm. And maybe a couple in 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 the owner occupied commercial side, and a couple or a few in the multi tenant commercial side. Um, you know, and I would say the same thing probably on the residential software side. Um, uh, but now you've got maybe you know half a dozen to a dozen you know really solid 
uh, you know, strong, uh, you know, potential acquirers for businesses in each one of these spaces um, in a lot of overlap as well. Um, so, for instance, obviously MRI uh, plays in a number of different segments of real estate, uh, not just on the multifamily side, but also in, in a number of different segments on the commercial side. Uh, and so you're starting to see that dynamic play out as well, where you're seeing some of these really large consolidators that um, are presenting opportunities for potential targets that just didn't exist a number of years ago. So we're, we're really bullish and um, the economy, you know, no one has a crystal ball, but it, um, you know, appears to be quite strong at the moment um, and really not seeing any signs of uh, tech M&A in the real estate space slowing down uh, at least the next quarter or two. Which is great because at the end of the day, I mean, this, this ultimately benefits those end users who are starting to really experience kind of that, you mentioned the words ecosystem um, quite a bit, and I feel like that's all coming together for, for a lot of these end users to provide them more options and more ways to configure what, what ultimately becomes the way that they want to run their business, which is something you highlighted earlier today too. So Chris, I, I want to thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you um, kind of giving some insight into this world. I know from my perspective and probably from a lot of our listeners, it's one that we're not really privy to, but it's cool to see how much of that action is still kind of flowing through the real estate industry and just continues to as this this market continues to evolve and grow. So thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you as well, Nick. We're really excited about the continued growth in the space and really appreciate uh, you inviting us to participate today. So thank yeah, you. And, and before, uh, before I let you go, uh, you had mentioned that your your company you know puts out some research and information. If people want more information about you or SEG, where can they go to get some? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, and thank you for the plug. Uh, you can absolutely visit our website, uh, which is softwareequity.com, um, and you'll find uh, plenty of information about our team, uh, the deals that uh, we've done. And then there's also a research page, which has a plethora of uh, research report, uh, reports, not just in the real estate tech ecosystem, but also the broader software industry. So we'd certainly encourage uh, any and everyone to, to visit the research page. All of that information is complimentary. Beautiful. Well, again, Chris, thank you so much. And we'll, uh, we'll talk later. Okay. Thanks, Nick. <laughs>